Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast 353. Today, we're going to continue with the period of the Exodus. And what is the period of the Exodus all about? Well, of course, the Exodus. And so you do not want to get caught up during this period in all the things that deal with the peripheral issues of the Exodus. God is fulfilling a promise that he made to Abraham in Genesis 15. In that chapter, God said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to do everything that I said I was going to do. I'm going to give you a great name. And from you is going to come the one who is going to bless the entire world, the cosmos, the Messiah. I'm going to give you lineage. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you a people. I'm going to give you a place. Any way you want to alliterate that, it's the same. God is telling Abraham, this is what I'm going to do for you. But he said, there's going to be a period where I'm going to do something that people are not expecting. I'm going to allow you to go into a place for 400 years. And after 400 years, I'm going to bring you back to this land. Now, why was God doing that? God was taking a people that were in a land that was dependent upon everything that was transitory, susceptible to famine, and uh, there were only a handful of them, 70 to be exact, as they go down into Egypt. And God made them there a nation of millions in just a period of a very short time. In a period of just four centuries, this became a dominant nation. And God said, I'm going to bring your lineage back into this land where you're standing now. And I'm going to give you this as an eternal possession. And so that is what the Exodus is all about. It is about the great story of God's faithfulness. We cannot lose this as we go through the details of these time periods. God is telling a story. And in the book of Exodus, we have the epitome of how a story should be told. Because as you read through the book of Exodus and you go through all of the things that God did and he prepared Moses, he prepared the basket for Moses to be in, he prepared a life for Moses, and he prepared... Moses in the backside of the desert after he wanted to identify with his people and then he fled and God brought him back. And through a series of God showing his victory over Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt, God brought the people out with a strong and mighty arm. And so the scripture says that God did that in a certain way. And in chapter 12, which is a key chapter in all of the Torah, God said this to Moses. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month, this is going to be a special time that will be remembered throughout time immemorial. This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. This is the month Aviv. 
Abib sometimes, A-V-I-V or A-B-I-B, but it is the month Nisan. Abib means spring. It's the beginning of everything. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th day of this month, that is of Nisan, what later became Nisan, Abib, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts. That's the side post in a door. And on the lintel, which is the top bar of the door, of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted with fire, with unleavened bread. That is, it doesn't have time to rise, so there's no yeast. It's almost like a thin cracker. And with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. God is setting them up to remember this great deliverance he's giving them. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, which that's the way they would get the meat tender many times, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and entrails. It was to be done very quickly. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. That means everything has to go. What you don't eat, we're not going to eat leftovers because we're hitting the road. And so you're going to need to burn everything up, leave nothing behind. See, God's setting them up to help them to remember this great story. When they leave Egypt, they've got to leave Egypt. They can't even leave meat behind. They've got to burn up everything. You get in the picture here? God's saying, I'm going to bring you out. Now, I don't even want to go into what I know you're wanting me to go into. Oh, this is a picture that they are to remember that they are to leave Egypt behind. Yes, this is true. You've heard it said that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and got them out of Egypt. But the real problem was getting Egypt out of the children of Israel. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist that is ready to move, your sandals on your feet, you're ready to walk, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike the firstborn, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. And why is he doing this? Because he is Hashem. He is the Tetragrammaton. He is the one who has the name, which means I was, I am, I am forever. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now verse 14 is key. 
So this day shall be to you a memorial, a hazikron, something that you are to remember. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And he goes on to give more details. Now you can read about this again in the 23rd chapter of the book of Leviticus, where he lines out the great memory day the Moed, the appointed times with the Shabbat being the first one every week. And then throughout the year, starting with Pesach, with Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks we call Pentecost, Yom Teruah that we call Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the blowing of the trumpets, and then Yom Kippur and Sukkot, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles or Booze. Those are the great Levitical feasts. And those are given so that the people of God would never forget, would never forget what God has done for them, that indeed he is God. He made them. He created them special and gave them throughout the year times that they could remember what he's done. And all of this is given in Torah. It's given in the first five books of the Bible. And this great story of deliverance was going to be the marker for them that they would go back to and say, we were a people who were strangers in a foreign land. And we have come into our own land, the land that's the land of promise, and God has given it to us as an eternal possession. Now, as you know, they didn't get to enjoy the land unless they obeyed and walked with God. And God said, I'll spew you out of the land, and after a time, I'll bring you back in if truly you repent. And by the way, that doesn't mean the whole nation has to repent, but a remnant had to repent. God did that in answer to prayer. In other words, God has always just used a handful of people to get his work done. That's the way it's always been. It's the way it is now. We think we've got to have huge numbers to do the work of God and to see God do great miracles. Oh, no, no, no. No, that's the arm of the flesh. That is us doing something in our own power. You say, oh, but God's interested in numbers. Oh, God's interested in numbers. He can handle numbers. You and I can't because we get that tied in with who we are, our own spiritual identity, how good we're doing, whether we're good, bad, or ugly, is all based on numbers and money, or what I call with Baptists the unholy trinity of measuring everything by budgets, baptisms, and buildings. All you have to do is go to any kind of evangelical convention, and people will greet one another. Hey, brother, how you doing? Are you somewhere yet? Well, now, how many are you running? Well, if they ask me that, I can usually say, well, I'm running several off. And I remember (laughs) Junior Hill said, an evangelist that all of us admire, (laughs) said after he had pastored a couple of churches, someone came to him and said, "Uh, Brother Junior, how's your church doing? He said, well, it's really doing well. It's dying slower than anyone I've ever pastored. Well, uh, some of us can identify with that. But the reality is when it comes to God, little is much when God God is in it. Don't despise the day of small things. We measure in the West everything by numbers, but God did most of his mighty works with a handful of people or just a man or just a few. That's the way God always does. And God brought the people out of Egyptian bondage. And if you'll recall, even before they got to Mount Sinai, he reminded them that he didn't do what he did because of who they were. He did what he did because of who he is. And he 
didn't do what he did toward them in his great works and miracles because they were the biggest or they were the best. No, as a matter of fact, the Jewish people were the most stubborn, God said, the most stiff-necked of all the people, and they were the smallest of all the tribes, and God did that so that he could show and magnify his grace. You see, God loves grace, and so do I. And if you think you deserve something, you hadn't gotten the idea of grace. Listen, friend, everything we have is by the grace of God. And if the Torah teaches nothing else, it teaches that we all have what we have by the unmerited favor of Almighty God. And the children of Israel are historic examples of that uh, then and now. And so when it comes to the Torah and this period of the Exodus, don't forget this is about the Exodus and everything that happens between the period of the Exodus and the 40 some years following until they go into the promised land, that makes up the book of Leviticus, that makes up the book of Exodus, that makes up the book of Numbers and the book of Deuteronomy. And so as we go through this over the next few podcasts, because there's so much in Exodus that we have to cover that sets the stage for the rest of the story, which is the prophets and the writings. You see, much like the New Testament, where the Gospels tell a story, a narrative, and then the book of Acts continues that, and then the epistles explain what that Gospel narrative is. And the book of Acts is really all about. Well, the same thing's true with the Torah. I mean, nothing's new under the sun. The Torah is like the Gospels. It has the narrative of how it all began, how it all got started, how everything happened. And then the prophets and the writings explain the Torah. And that's why when you're doing a weekly Torah reading, you will have a part that deals with the prophets. Because somewhere in the prophets, somewhere in the writings, you will have the first books that you're studying in Torah study, you will have it explained and commented on and a commentary on it somewhere else in the Tanakh. And that is the way it is on this day as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.